and Brit, Brad and Brit, the perfect combination of brawn and wit. Politics, sports, and trending shit. Let's tune in to Brad and Brit. All right, it's the Brad and Brit cast, our first one for for this week. And there's um, just a, whatever a plethora is of news and fun things for us to discuss. Uh, I'll give you my list. Feel free to be interested in any of these or beat me up or whatever. Number one, <laughs> uh, Twitter in the toilet. Oh. Uh, so no, no, Pence. Yes. Yes. Uh, the ageist sandbagging of Joe Biden. Hmm. Uh, suggested Father's Day gift for Donald Trump this year. Nice. New underwear. New underwear. You can figure out why. Mm-hmm. And casinos are being very mean to me. They're taking even more of my money, and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, so much to go with. Uh, let's do the uh, Sununa No Pence Yes. Okay. All right. We're That's the first time a... I think we've seen anybody do this. This is the first time we've seen anybody do this. We, th- we thought that this might happen on a uh, larger scale, but it hasn't. Chris Sununu is the governor of New Hampshire. And he is not going to enter the Republican presidential race and lose. Uh, he didn't want to test the appetite of the Republican Party for a self-described normal candidate. Well, that's actually a pretty accurate assessment. <laughs> Probably not a I good mean, idea. I don't think they're looking for normal. They may say they are, but but in general, no, 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 no. In his own way, I mean, Chris Sununu is a pretty amazing asshole. He's a pretty big asshole, but he does not rate based on the you know right, the, but, the, but, the leader of the pack. No, but see, he's got he's got real style. He does. I agree. He, he is that way, and and you know you cannot underplay the street cred of governors who get elected, and they're. Republicans or Democrats, and the state is not necessarily made up of like-minded people all across the board, giving them easy victories. Uh, examples of that, I guess, right now include Roy Cooper of yeah. of North Carolina. A lot of other things are are red, but of course they're red in this state because they cheat. The fucking Republicans cheat, and they gerrymander and fuck with the courts. But okay, uh, the governor of uh, Virginia Yunkin is thought of that way, right? Uh, people like that. And so uh, Sununu says no, and you know, just numerically, I guess it doesn't matter. Now that they're probably past 10, 11 or 12 wouldn't have made a difference, but uh, good for him. And he thinks it's easier to throw, throw shit at the monkey from outside the cage than from inside the cage. That's my analysis. And I don't see one of those people throwing shit at the monkey or the gorilla, the, the 800 pound gorilla. <laughs> the gorilla. From I don't, uh, I don't see any problem at all with that analysis at all. Good I think you're probably right. Yeah. And by the way, he's another one. Look, he's 48. All right. Okay. And by the standards by which we elect presidents, he has about 12 more elections. He can yeah. cycle through before he would consider to be too old to, to run for president. So he's, 
he's got plenty of time. And if you drop out now before anyone ever says you were the one, then no penalty, no penalty. So you can, you can do it when you're 52, 56, 60, 64, 68. He's got plenty of them to go. You get it. Those of us who are of a certain age remember his old man, though, and what a tremendous asshole his old man was. Yeah, yeah. He he was governor of New Hampshire, and then he was um, chief of staff for George H. W. Bush. He was an asshole, but to be fair, he was effective. So, well, and by today again, by today's standards, he barely would right. rate. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's I mean, exactly again, right. we talk about the great players of yesterday or the great players of today. Or could they have survived in the 60s? Or, you know, could somebody like uh, – could Jokic have matched up with a Bill Russell back in his day? We don't know. But, but Sununa would have – no, he would not even be – he's not even a five, really, against the Donald Trump uh, standard of what an asshole truly is. All right, so let's move on from uh, Dr. No to Uncle Yes and – I know you've been very, very quiet about it, but your support for Mike Pence oh. is wide. It is deep. It is passionate because you liked what you saw for the four years that he was the vice president of the United States. You liked what you saw for the four years he was governor of Indiana. You liked what you saw for the, I believe he was in Congress for uh, five or six terms from Indiana. Yeah. And you certainly love the uh, 10 or 11 years that he put in as a right-wing oh. hack Rush Limbaugh wannabe local Indiana version well, talk show host yeah. in the uh, 80s and 90s. You liked <laughs> all of those things. So, Britt, this is your moment. Pitch your candidate for us. I like vice presidents who don't almost get murdered, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, I believe this is to be the truth. I don't know what his schedule is for this week, but he's he's filing the paperwork to run for president. And I think his first appearance as a candidate, as an official candidate, will be right here in Greensboro, North Carolina this weekend at the state GOP convention at the Cory Convention Center, Brad. Oh, guaranteed to garner no national attention then if it's here. Here's your, uh, here's your lineup. Friday, Friday night, Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Saturday, 12.30 for lunch, Mike Pence, that's the dead spot. And then Saturday, your keynote speaker, the 45th president of these United States, Donald John Trump Sr. That's Wait, it's just just those three? Well, those are your main speakers, obviously. Mark Robinson will be there. I did not see uh, another gubernatorial candidate, uh, alleged gubernatorial candidate, Mark Walker, the former congressman, listed. Of course, Mark Robinson, our lieutenant governor, is going to be there, and uh, several others, Virginia Fox, a lot of prominent uh, Republicans. Dale Folwell, the state treasurer, who is supposed to be running for a governor as well, will also be there. But those are your – yeah, I know. It's murderers, row. The 27 Yankees should just go hang their heads in shame. I'm in the morning. Oh, Jesus, God almighty, who are these people? Oh, my God. Holy Jesus. I believe you still have time to register. I think June 6th is the deadline. If you'd like to get in there, maybe a sponsorship opportunity, all sorts of good stuff. But yeah, Mike Pence, uh, who, uh, I don't know, dead on arrival, would you call it? I, I hate to use that term, uh, but yeah, he, dead on arrival, I think the uh, his presidential bid would be. Well, I don't even know if he's going to qualify for the debate because you got to be at 1%, right, in the polls for yeah, two or three I, national I, polls I, or something. I don't know. I'm not sure how that works. But, but let's look at the objective facts about his career in the last eight years, all right? 
Mm-hmm. He was at the end of his one term as governor in Indiana, and he was extremely unpopular. Mm-hmm. And it was thought, it was believed that his political career was over. He was not going to get reelected, and his popularity was uh, not to be seen. So, we can go back through all the reasons that Trump picked him. I guess it's the whole uh, evangelical thing, right? He wanted he wanted somebody who was uh, Snow White to his Darth Vader, you know, metaphorically speaking, for the for the religious nuts in this country. And it kind of worked. It yeah. worked. It worked. Yeah. And uh, as payback, Mike Pence and. Maybe you can think of a bigger nonstop public suck up than Mike Pence. I can't. And he seemed to really always be at the the top of the heap. And as vice president, okay. I mean, maybe behind his back, he was he was hoping that you know, uh, Trump would would strain himself trying to pick up a golf ball on seventeen fall over and die and then he would become president well we were all hoping that right right you may have thought that we were all in that we can't really blame him for that right right um so he was a standard vice president for all the other things that he i think he went to some funerals and, and things of that sort but he he had no input there was no attempt to bring him into any kind of policy fold the way say Al Gore was or Joe Biden, Joe Biden. <laughs> was yeah. right for for Obama. There was, it wasn't even a pretext. But to be fair, no one was in on any kind of policy discussions with Donald Trump because he had no policies. Yeah, it was not important. It was that's, irrelevant that's to correct. his presidency since it was all about performance and owning the libs and demonizing and insulting and and. Yeah, that wasn't Mike Pence's thing. He, you know, look, you want that? You you bring up Spiro Agnew, you you dig him up and you put him in as vice president. But that wasn't Mike Pence. He's not an insult comic kind of guy. All right, so so he he puts in the four years, and his reward is to have his life threatened within an inch on January sixth, when he as, and I'm willing to say it right here, right now, as a good Christian man. He follows his conscience and does the right thing and does not listen to Donald Trump one last time and does not help instigate a full-fledged violent coup, allowing it to continue that day. And, you know, enough people around him kept him safe and, and, and most other people on that day except for the people that died and the, the hundreds who were injured, but he right. did the right thing at that moment. Right. And within days, he not only declined after giving some lip service to saying that uh, Donald Trump did the wrong thing, but he was kind of back in the fold. We're still on good relations with Bob. You know, he tried to, he, he, he tried to have it both ways because he was thinking in the back of his mind, I might want to run. In four years, which, you know, going back to 21, there you go. It's the four years now. Um, but he's nothing. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing. You can't ride 
the credential of doing the right thing that's perceived, by the way, as doing the wrong thing by most people who are supporters of Donald Trump. They are still living the aggrieved victim witch hunt mentality that Donald Trump has lived on for all these years. And Mike Pence didn't help that. He didn't do what needed to be done, according to most Trump voters. So I don't know where the lane is for Mike Pence. Tell me where that lane is. You got me, Chief, because the evangelical voters have shown that they're more than willing to sell out for an ungodly man. Yeah. Uh, so forget any of that. Uh, no, it's not like evangelicals like, you know, we really need to come home to the godly guy. No, you guys have shown us your true colors on that one. So for, forget it. There, There's no lane. Um, he also wouldn't cooperate with investigations. He also minimized a lot of the times and wouldn't say what his true feelings were about Donald Trump trying to have him murdered. <laughs> You know, all of all of that stuff. He just tried to yeah, were minimize. You, were you for that again or against that, Mike? Well, I just don't want to comment. You know, on that that whole situation. I well, that, I don't that whole that whole game that he was playing uh, to avoid testifying before the January sixth committee, and uh, on the other hand, refusing to uh, cooperate with the Justice Department by wearing one mask and saying, well, on January 6th, I was uh, a member of Congress technically because I have the 101st vote as vice president to break ties. So I'm really a member of Congress. So I'm immune from uh, anything that happened on that day, having to speak about it. So I'm not going to testify. And then on the other hand, he tried to wrap himself in some kind of uh, vice presidential immunity, which doesn't exist. I guess it's an extension of presidential immunity. Um, to get it, it, it was just terrible. It, it, it's just terrible. And, you know, this just goes back to, you know, one of our original building blocks, which is you do business with Trump at any yeah. level. It ends in tears. Yeah, it's it not a question of if, it's no. just a question of when. Nobody gets out alive. Nobody. I mean, that's nobody. Just, that's just how nobody. it works. And I, I again, his uh, his brand of of strumming uh, bluegrass while Donald Trump's just rocking some heavy metal. Uh, although I do kind of hope he does. I'll be honest with you. Now that I'm thinking about it, I hope he gets to that one percent threshold, and they put him on the same stage as Donald Trump uh, in August at one of the debates. Donald I think Trump is not going to be on that stage. Come he on, showing. he needs to no. be there. First well, of all. He, he needs Rick, to be there to incriminate. Show up. He needs to be there to incriminate himself even more. Every time he runs his big, fat, right. stupid, yappy mouth, he continues to incriminate himself and get himself deeper into legal trouble. Yeah, yeah. He might have been able to steamroll Caitlin Collins on <laughs> CNN last month. He might have been able to, but he would not be able to uh, steamroll his way around you know ten or twelve other people, including the man who has now been designated as Trump's public hitman if he just gets a chance chris christie have you ever heard more instantly in the last few days than chris christie is the only guy that can go toe-to-toe with yeah. donald trump he's the only one who's got that. the the verbal chops yeah and by the way when you say the word chops and chris christie in the same sentence 
Uh, that's not fat shaming. Okay, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not. But but Chris Christie, he's he's a a clever, brilliant. Pu- Have you ever heard anybody get puffed up? It's for weird. for for that reason, and it you know what it it may be true that he is definitely a lot quicker on his feet than most of these other guys. But that it it doesn't matter, and Donald Trump is not going to show up for that. He gets to play the up above the fray, and you know what. August is a long time from now, considering that and you can come at it from whatever direction you want. Trump is about to have the hammer dropped on him somehow, somewhere, some way out of Washington and likely Georgia also. And we can get to that in just a moment, which is why I think you should be buying Donald Trump new underwear uh, for Father's Day and send it early because I'll bet you he's shitting in his pants right now. He's um, shitting in his pants right now, and he ought to be. Should be. He well, new be. underwear for dad is always a good idea. I mean, as long as you get the size right. Almost every man can use some new underwear. It's always a good idea, but especially that guy. Um, yep. And since, yep. since you mentioned Caitlin Collins and the ill-fated uh, Donald Trump town hall that uh, we've, we've for a few days been batting around. What was it, that Atlantic piece on Chris Lick, the guy that's currently at this moment as we speak running CNN? He's gone. Forget. <laughs> you know what? It's so what, what, what are we even forget? It's just it is over. It's it's what's done. your the guy. what's your favorite part of the, the the my favorite part of it was how he obsessed over dylan byers writing shit about him and like couldn't stop like reading all of the shit that they were writing about him and stuff i thought that was hysterical i thought that was so funny yeah i mean i read it two days ago now i don't remember all the specifics of it but it's enough to uh it just it it's just not working whatever whatever he thought he was doing and you know he the the first two people that he fired when he got right. there last year were uh, Brian Stelter, the media guy, who is in my he's a great writer. He really he's such is a good writer because now he's he's writing for Vanity Fair and you see he's got a Substack I think. Yeah, and and he's he's uh, yeah because he wrote for the New York Times for about eight or ten years before he joined CNN the first time around. Do you remember he? Uh, he ignored our um, request for him to come on the air with us on ZTK. And this is, he wasn't at CNN yet. He was still uh, yeah. just a byline in the New York Times. And even then, he was smart enough not to come on the air. See, to <laughs> his credit, us. the guy made the right exactly. decisions even then. He, he, had, he had good taste. So uh, they got rid of him. They took away that, that show on, on Sunday. Um, and... Uh, the reporter at the White House, Jim John John Harwood. John Harwood, yeah, that's the guy. John Harwood, okay, veteran veteran reporter. They they'd uh, move, they grabbed him from NBC just a few years earlier, and again, just too darn opinionated for CNN <laughs> for their taste. So they got rid of the two two people with with edge, and I'm sure there were other folks who were uh, sent out the door whose names we don't even know. They might be producers or oh yeah, or writers or things like that. But and, and, anyway, the it's uh it's it, you know i'll tell you what sticks out to me from that article what's that that when he got there last year to cnn he put his office oh yeah five floors above yeah where cnn's 
newsroom is where all the people, the worker bees that you see on TV are doing their jobs, the studios and, and the like. I think they're on the 17th floor. And the guy that he replaced, Jeff Zucker, had an office right there, right next to the, the, the newsroom area, and he was a hands-on guy. And he was, he was the guy who knew what was going on CNN every second, love him or hate him. He was, he was that guy. And by the way, I hate him because he is responsible for Donald Trump more than any one person possibly uh, being president because he okayed when he was running NBC before CNN, The Apprentice. He pushed it hard. Yeah. And then uh, that, that British guy, Mark Burnett, yeah. the, you know, he made the shows and everybody uses his name. Well, it's fucking Zucker, who yeah. was the head of NBC, who greenlighted the show and and went with it and that explained years later when Zucker was running CNN in 2015 2016 why uh, beholden to Donald Trump's success on the apprentice he saw that the guy had box office and that's why CNN ran every fucking minute of Donald Trump yakking at his rallies and everything else during the campaign of 2015 2016 and that mainstreamed, in a way, Donald Trump just enough to to sneak by in the three states that gave him the margin of victory in the Electoral College to make him president. So I blame Zucker. I blame Zucker. Now, I can separate that out from his day-to-day management of CNN and how the workers there and the anchors and the reporters thought of him. They loved him. He had their back. Okay. There's no substitute for that, right? And when, when you fire the guy who has everybody's back, the next guy in better have their back twice as much or, yeah. or he's going to be compared no matter what happens to the previous guy. There's no, there's uh, no clear vision. I mean, there's, there's yeah. just not, he continues to do a lot of consultant speak and a lot of word salad and a lot of, yeah. we want to do this, but we, it's, but they're trying to define themselves by what they're not. And when you, when you talk about somebody that moves themselves up, you know, 30 floors above where the the real workers are, it reminds me a lot of that Alec Baldwin character, Jack Donaghy in uh, 30 Rock. He was not going to be anywhere near well, here, where their shitheads were. They were here's the running thing. TV. It, it's been reported Monday, and I guess they had a uh, all-hands-on-deck Jesus meeting, come-to-Jesus meeting on Monday at CNN, and it was an apology meeting by this guy, Chris Licht. And he apologized up and down, and he says he's now going to move his office back down to the 17th floor. There may not be, you, well, guess what? That's like the uh, old old uh, marriage analogy. If if I have to tell you, if you have to realize at this point that it was a good idea to have your office right there and be accessible instantly uh, to everybody that's that's producing the product, you've already lost. And my guess is, you know, he could be out by the time we're done with this podcast. The cardboard box, the cardboard box, he won't even need one, right? He's only been there a year. So he could probably just use a one plastic shopping bag from ShopRite. A Ziploc, just kind of. Yeah, a couple, a couple of Ziplocs to take his stuff home. That's, that's, so. that's hilarious. That, again, what was the big hit from Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams? Too much, too little, too late. Damn right. That's what I think. 
I just, I, I really, I got to kick. I can't believe that an article and really the article kind of just intensifies or solidifies or quantifies everything. And now it's causing all these problems. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, all of that's true. <laughs> all of that is in one spot. What's wrong with what's going on right now at CNN. But wait, you forgot this article, which is in Atlantic. It's 15,000 words. That's a long piece, even by Atlantic oh, yeah. standards. Oh, yeah. It was It was begun to be reported, and access was given to the author, Tim Alberta, who's a great, great writer and reporter, a full year ago in the spring. Jesus. Because Chris Lick, at that time, thought that it was a good idea to have a really great crackerjack reporter in there to document the greatness the turnaround that was about to occur. Absolutely wanted him in there. And he never wait. He never stopped giving Alberta access. And so he was able to report it all the way through you know, until the present moment, including the uh, town hall. So it's not as if Lick thought, oh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of shit from all over the the world of media and from the public and from the people that work at CNN that I suck. And meantime, I've got this guy in there taking notes yeah. and, and taking copious, names, copious Maybe, notes, detailed he, notes. He, now, now he may have thought, well, if I kick him out now, okay. Whenever now would have been that, that would have just elicited a, a piece that was all about how paranoid I am that I can't even allow a writer. In, okay. So, um, it's over. It's it's just over. I and I, I I was feeling sorry for him up until I read kind of how the guy's personality is. Two two other things that really caught me about the the whole deal was um, after they had the town hall, he's he's in a he's in like a, a cold sweat because he knows it was disastrous. He knows it was disastrous, and the, and the writer talks to him and goes, well, "How do you think that went?" He goes, "Too soon to tell." <laughs> and the other thing was his workout buddy he's got like this guy uh you know one of, like one of these fancy manhattan trainers that makes a billion dollars an hour you know training rich folks and uh he's lifting like this heavy pole and he goes but that's something jeff zucker couldn't do <laughs> even as a joke even if it's a joke it's like jeff zucker is so in your fucking head and by the way jeff zucker zucker while being a huge worm continues to like hang out and be a voice like hey and like the people at cnn who are having a hard time they'll just bitch to him about stuff and he kind of he's just kind of hanging around in the ether he's just over there and i think that's kind of hilarious yeah. it's pretty but good as always we wish him well Oh, no, his success is our success. And I, I, will, I will, again, go on record as saying Chris Licht and CNN are really symptoms of a bigger problem. I just think these guys at Warner Brothers Discovery have no idea what they're doing. In general, with what this thing that they've been handed that they've got, I think they're just a huge bunch of clowns. Uh, hey, let's call it Max. Okay. Right, and I'll tell you it. what, as you're saying that, I was thinking of um, – the one media entity that has lasted decade after decade, actually into its uh, well into its second century, and it's wobbled, but it's never really lost its credibility and its focus, even when it's uh, made mistakes, 
And it's through a consistency of uh, ownership, certainly through most of the 20th century. And that's the New York Times. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the, the only American media company with a reach equivalent to the New York Times in terms of number of reporters, not just across the country, but around the world, is CNN. There are two, those are the two standout brands, mm-hmm. but the New York Times has been deliberate. It's been consistent. It has changed and adapted to technology. Um, and I don't know what the lesson there is. And it's maybe if, uh, maybe if Ted Turner had had a son who wanted to run Turner Broadcasting and had uh, steered CNN in a more consistent direction 25 years ago. They, I, I, I mean, I don't know. But because uh, Ted Turner hasn't had anything to do really with the, the management of CNN for, for a long time. But uh, the, something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Something went wrong. And, and it's, not a, it's, it's not a disaster in terms of the finances. I think they're... I think their profits were down 20 or 25% in the last year, which that sounds like a lot, but everybody's profits but in media. Branding. What, is, what does the brand mean in 2023? The, brand, the branding is, is really mushy. Yeah. It's really mushy right now. And uh, I mean, if, if something happened and you heard, if you heard that like a plane struck a building somewhere, yeah, maybe you would go and you would run and turn to CNN now. Because well, after a generation... That's what happened. They still have. They have not lost that yet. That's the point. They yeah. still have people who are going in there every day and they're doing their jobs and they're right. working hard and they're producing uh, news and their coverage of the war in Ukraine is head and shoulders above everybody else. Oh, it's it, not it even really close. It's quite. It's good, not yeah. even close. Now, uh, you know, you don't get points on the board very often for that, but you lose points. If you used to be that network, if you were the uh, network that we all remember from the Gulf War, yeah, where uh, Bernard Shaw uh, dove under the table to avoid right. bombs, you know they've got they've got that. Don't blow it. Don't completely squander it. So I think you got to cut your losses with this guy running it now, and um, you know find find someone probably from within who's there who appreciates. Um, the great music that CNN played all these years <laughs> and wants to bring back the music. Bring it back the music. That is funny because you're like that, that, you know, there was a point where the oldies stations as they began to age were like, well, we got to mix in some of these songs from the eighties, but the people who love our station don't want us to play 80 songs because they don't consider those oldies. So there was a real tightrope that a lot of those stations had to walk. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a lame, it's a lame, yeah, no, it's not uh, it, analogy because nobody's looking for, for CNN. To, well, wait, hang on. I got an idea. They could stop running these fucking quote unquote documentaries about the decades of the past. Well, but they're, they're you doing know, this is the, this is the only black mark on Tom Hanks's resume that I can think of. <laughs> I can't stand those shows. I hate them. I hate them. 
I think <laughs> he's uh they're doing the 2010 soon. So if you've forgotten about the 2010s, then uh, they're, they're already doing the 20. They're they doing, doing the, the 2020. Yeah, they're doing the 2010s already because you know we're three years into the next decade. <laughs> they're probably going to do the 2020s right now. We don't want to <laughs> let the whole decade go by before we uh, remember great things from this decade that have uh, already happened. Just, the, you know, two years ago, some shit that. Okay. Anyway, we've done the last thing I'll mention about the article is the the battles with with Don Lemon. The battles with Don Lemon in that article are just like astounding, really astounding. So much energy that was spent on all of that. Uh, The ageist sandbagging of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Okay. Uh, On Sunday, the aforementioned uh, New York Times did a piece and it's got uh, four of their star reporters who spent some time doing this. It's called inside the complicated reality of being America's oldest president. Um, the two Joe Bidens coexist in the same octogenarian president, sharp and wise at critical moments, the product of decades of seasoning, able to rise to the occasion, even in the dead of night to confront a dangerous world, yet a little slower, a little softer, a little harder of hearing, a little more tentative in his walk, a little more prone to occasional lapses of memory in ways that feel familiar to anybody who's reached their ninth decade or has a parent who has. So uh, the piece fairly, I think, runs through some of the things that uh, we know about the president in terms of some of the uh, uh, goofy gaffes that he has made. But it's quite interesting that uh, even as you point those kinds of things out, and of course you can point out that every president since Washington has fallen down at some point during their presidency uh, has, has has tripped up. And uh, I don't know whether Gerald Ford ever actually blamed yeah. uh, Chevy Chase yeah. <laughs> for torpedoing his presidency and, and having him lose to Jimmy Carter and making him appear to be a klutz when, of course, he was the best athlete to ever be president, right? He's a lineman mm-hmm. for uh, University of Michigan. Uh, he was a really athletic, uh, tough guy. But, um, but here's the point, and I think this is true. You can never look at Joe Biden now, and you can never listen to him without thinking, mm, okay, he's, he's a little slower. He's a bit, but then last week, Kevin McCarthy, of all people, gave him what, to me, is the highest compliment possible under the circumstances and said Joe Biden was on his game. He was very professional. And the article in the Times does not, repeat, does not, and this is clearly because there was no evidence of it and no one would say, and even detractors could not step forward with any kind of example of Joe Biden not being able to articulate policy or understand what's going on equivalent to when he can't remember the name of his grandchildren in public. Right. In other words, they're two different things. Uh, And when he's being president, he's really, really being president. And uh, guess who wrote a uh, piece to their comment section? Guess who? Me. Who? You. So here's what I wrote. The late Logan Roy accurately assessed his second-rate kids as candidates to succeed him. Quote, 
You're not serious people. Donald Trump has never been a serious person. His 2016 branding exercise for the Trump Organization struck lightning. He became president for four years and will be paying the price for that forever. Joe Biden, serious person. Deep into the article, there's this little paragraph. And I've heard other people talk about this article in the last few days. I heard some Reconish talk about it this morning. And this didn't stick out to him, but it stuck out to me. Aides say it is clear that Biden actually reads the briefing books because of the questions that follow. There's no one who is better at asking questions to get to the bottom of an issue, calling your bluff, asking the tough questions. That's the White House staff secretary named Stephanie Feldman speaking. He asks just as tough a questions today as he did 10 years ago. End of her quote. For me, that's the whole ballgame. Everything else is just noise. Loud noise, I grant you. But unless Joe becomes lethargic and disinterested in the critical details of governing, which he has not, ask Kevin McCarthy, the idea that Trump is sure to float his BS that he's a vigorous stud compared to Joe Biden is major league malarkey. Fact, Trump barely read anything. He knows nothing. His daily briefing book had to be shortened, dumbed down, an emphasis given to business stories. Of course, he was, after all, the world's greatest businessman, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And other stuff that he was really, really interested in. Hours a day spent watching Fox and Friends in the morning, Tucker and Sean and Laura at night, maybe catching some Rush Limbaugh middays. Three weeks ago, Trump okayed default. Think about it. Um, So I guess this underscores where most of us are at as we cringe at some of the obvious signs of of, uh, old age in Joe Biden, which is, uh, he has to be a, a full-fledged rotting corpse before you would ever vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> rotting. Make sure you two. put rotting in there. Yeah, just like a new corpse would be. No, I'm still going for the corpse. So because um, just just think of the important details that a president, not just this one, but the ones you knew of before the uh, previous one all were generally obsessed with, especially when they needed to. Even George W. Bush, who we have thought of as a moron, as a dope, which he sort of kind of is, was not there. He was not even close to being in the same league of indifference and ignorance, willful ignorance and incompetence that Donald Trump is. It's not even close. Well, I I mean, I I think I can bottom line this. Whoever gets the nomination for the Republican Party, whether it's Donald Trump, unless he's in prison or DeSantis, whoever it is, you're welcome to do a supercut of George of Joe Biden falling down. You can do that. If you think that's going to get you somewhere, make a 30 second commercial of him falling down and have fun with it and talk about this is a uh, some sort of allegory for America falling down. I I don't think it's going to get you very far. But again, please feel free to do that. That'll be fine. I think it's already been done. I mean, there's already a bunch of supercuts like that. They already run that stuff on Fox. But nobody, nobody pays attention to shit, as you know, for campaigns until like between Labor Day and so we still have a 2024 campaign. That's when you run the shit during the football games in the fall of 2024. Feel free to put it back out there, and you can have the Larry David curb your enthusiasm music or the Benny Hill yakety sax, whatever you want to do behind it. Go ahead and just put that out there and just see how far you get with it. That'll be fine. All right. 
if they use the Benny Hill music, I'm checking out. I'm moving out. It's a great if you can't come up with off. something more original. You don't. But to a new, you don't point. understand. To a, to a generation, it is original. They, there's, a, there's like a whole bunch of people that haven't heard Yakety Sax and don't know what that is. I love it. Boots Randolph, ladies and gentlemen. One of the Nashville A-team. The great Boots Randolph. All right. Uh, oh, the Twitter. We should do the, the genius. Casinos, the, let's do casinos. Let's do casinos let's first. Do casinos. casinos are being mean to me by taking my, my money. Yeah. Uh, I, f- I first saw the story in the middle of last week and others have picked up on it in different ways, but the wall street journal started with this. And I noticed it when I was in Las Vegas, what we were there, what last September. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been going on ever since I've been going there for, I don't know, 20, 25 years, however long it's been since I've been going to Vegas about once every five years, whatever. Yeah. But, the number of live blackjack tables get smaller and smaller all the time. And the ones that are left, the minimums are higher and higher and higher. And it's less attractive to play live games of that sort. So you might avoid them and not just blackjack, but probably the other games too. Uh, and this is on purpose. The payouts have gone down in blackjack. They've changed the odds when uh, when you draw when you hit uh, twenty one there with your with your ace and your your uh, jack of spades used to be three to two now it's six to five okay they used to pay out three to two on that they pay out six to five and and as you know over time that's a huge bonanza on the margin for yeah. the casino that's how they do it um, but the Las Vegas Journal Review which is the uh, local paper owned by the dead Sheldon Adelson oh. and this family. Remember when he bought that local paper because he was pissed off that they were saying mean things about him? When he That's right. That's right. Uh, he, the paper says the Strip is still by far the most successful gaming market by revenue in the country. Really? Who knew that? Who didn't know that? Atlantic City has been sucking wind for 30 years that never came close to Las Vegas. So that's not news. That's not, that's not news at all. You know what also is not new. I love when uh, an obvious fact is touted as some kind of uh, journalistic coup today, today on the front of the, uh, the local rag, the Greensboro news and record. I swear to God, this is, this is what, uh, what they've, what they've got there let me let me just pull up the e-edition and you you just you can't believe it ready ready uh this is breaking news and it's three quarters of the front page and it's giant headline says taking charge tesla drives north carolina's shift to evs yeah that's right just as it has nationally tesla is powering north carolina's shift to plug-in vehicles who knew (laughs) <laughs> who could have ever guessed that <laughs> who could have ever guessed that so electric cars in north carolina there are twenty nine thousand teslas that's 68 69 of all the evs in north carolina and in second place is nissan with six percent wow who would have ever thought that tesla led the way here in north i i can't believe it 
It's a Pulitzer Prize story. It is. Isn't That's it? a win right there. And you know what? Las Vegas, still way bigger than Atlantic City. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> who who knew? And and, and 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 you know, even with the great Donald Trump owning what three casinos at, yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, they they just couldn't seem to get it done. So let's just stop. Mm. Stupid. Just stop. And, and anyway, the point is it's a little bit more expensive now to to go gamble there in in person but uh, they've they've got it figured out and uh, the um the sports gambling bill in north carolina apparently has gone to the senate for approval oh it's gonna happen huh it looks like it's gonna happen um i hope we don't blow it i hope that we get a good chunk of revenue i mean I've, there's been these reports for new york of getting multi-billion dollars worth of revenue out of this thing um so yeah the, and again the i think the bill calls for the thing to crank up no later than the second week in january i personally tweeted the governor going hey you're going to miss out on an entire football season's worth of revenue if we don't get this thing done by labor day but i don't think it's going to happen by then um <laughs> i heard there's a couple states there's a couple states that legalize gambling and made really, really bad deals. But Kansas was and one of them. I think I'm Kansas, looking at it right now. I heard this a few weeks ago. I think Kansas that, had those jive ass, uh, those those guys that took them out for steak dinners and bourbon, and had the the you know the yokels sign bad uh, deals. Yeah, here here you go. This is this is from February. The headline was "Don't bet on Kansas making much money from all that right. Super Bowl gambling." Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> What's the they matter with of, Kansas? They're rubes. Well, They're idiots. They had a couple lobbyists that would, you know, they took them to whatever the the Kansas or the Topeka equivalent of the Angus barn is. They fed them a couple of big ass tomahawks and bought them a hundred dollars scotch. And they, those rubes, they just okay, whatever you want. Hey, I I want to gamble on these apps. I do gamble on these apps, but I drive up the road to do it so I can do it legally. But I want the state to get some fucking revenue out of this. I want teachers to get paid and roads to be built and all of that shit. So I have no problem with them taking a nice, healthy cut out of this shit. And if they don't That's get it right. right the first time, renegotiate and get more fucking money. If if we can figure out a way to tax more stupid people, that's what we want. <laughs> that's, okay. that's the way to run a country. I am Mr. Blue Collar. I have a stressful career, and this is how this is how I enjoy blowing off a little steam. It's a little fun. Have a good time with it. Don't miss any mortgage payments. Don't have my credit score down in the 400s. You know, just have a little bit of fun. Every now and again, have something on a game. That's all. How about that? Is that wild? Although, if you ever hear me say something like, well, I'm quitting my job. I got a system. You should come over and punch me. If, you, if that ever happens, I want you to, I've got a system. That's, that's, those are, if you ever hear one of your family members or somebody you know ever say that, that those words come out of their mouth, then you know that they're, they're headed toward bankruptcy, financial right, ruin, fun. destitution. Right. Final, final thing. And, you know, we're uh, speaking on the day that, that Apple is uh, rolling out a, a new thing, a new gadget. Um, this is like a, one of these uh, virtual reality headset things. And you can look at it two ways, which is nobody wants this no matter what. Fuck it. It's metaverse bullshit. I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. Versus, okay, Apple doesn't fuck around. Okay. Yeah. There were there were smartphones before the iPhone. There were. And then when Steve Jobs walked out there on that stage and showed the iPhone, 
Yeah. Everything changed. And there's been virtual reality. I mean, you see these commercials for Facebook. What is it? Oculus? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't cut through. You don't give a shit. Who fucking no. cares? Who's buying this piece of crap? Okay. So Look. Apple has set back for the last couple of years. And uh, they're going to put what a lot of people believe is their magic touch on this idea. It'll start out very, very expensively. It'll do things that we don't even know about yet. We're not smart enough to realize it. And the comparison is being made to the way they rolled out the Apple Watch, which was laughed at. It was laughed. Oh, fucking give me a break. Yeah, they've sold so many Apple Watches. They make a ton of money off of those. Well, there's been skepticism. There's been skepticism. And, and I love to shit on Apple as much as anybody. But my God, just look at, the, you know, just this century, uh, the iPod, the iPad, as you mentioned, the iPhone. They've done OK. They've done all right. Yeah. No, I know. No, but but on the other hand, Britt, do you ever drive your iCar? It's That's sitting in the garage, and That's you never. Point. I'm not. I I was an Apple guy. I used the Apple computers, the laptops, for a number of years. I don't anymore. I've never been an iPhone guy, but I also understand th they do some stuff really well. They really do. I hate the New England Patriots, but you know, for a while there, they were a really good franchise and won a lot of games. <laughs> That's just how it is. It's called Vision Pro. It's called Vision Pro. That's what they're calling it. Okay. Uh, we can't dive into anything about it right now. We'll see what uh, what gets gets picked over. But uh, Apple stock, don't trade it, just own it. That yeah, is the rule. Absolutely. By the way, did you know that the S&P 500 is up uh, over 11.5% year to date? Just thought I'd throw that out there. You know why? Because the prospect of Donald Trump returning to the presidency. <laughs> That's what it is. Has all of us investors excited. That's what it is. You know it. I know it. Everybody 